Hey, what's going on? Shane with the Barbells and Burgers podcast, welcoming you to another episode, episode number 20, where we're only going to have two topics because they're not only big topics, but um, I wanted to keep it a little bit more condensed today. I've been running episodes pretty long, which there's nothing wrong with, but I, you know, just as a personal goal and the way I want these to be structured, I want to try to keep it within 40 to 50 minutes per episode. So we're going to dive into two real big topics today, as opposed to our usual three topic, you know, sort of three medium topics. So uh, before we get started, I would like to make at least one announcement. And the first announcement is I am running a new nutrition coaching uh, course called the Metabolic Reset Program. It is a three-month process or a three-month coaching uh, course that is going to help you not only heal your relationship with food, but also teach you about food. It is my strong belief that food education is up there with uh, getting your taxes done, knowing how to drive a car, and you know some of the other essential things in life. And so I think that one of the reasons why I created this course is because I got a lot of people that were, you know, reaching out to me saying, you know, I have no idea, like I'm so lost when it comes to food. I don't know, you know, what portions I should aim for based on the food that I'm eating. I didn't even know that you were supposed to portion food based on, you know, there being different types. And so I, I did a quick little survey of, you know, my audience of people that listen to my content or that are on my email list or that, you know, that I see on social media. And I said, hey, you know, would this be something you're interested in? And there was an overwhelming yes uh, out of all the people that I sort of surveyed. And so I started working really hard on a program that could help you not only lose weight, because obviously, you know, for a lot of us, that's something we're interested in, even if it's just five pounds to make us, you know, feel better and have more energy, but also to educate you on what it is that food essentially is comprised of and understanding the nature of food because it's not black and white anymore. It's actually very, very complicated. Um, so I call it the metabolic reset because a lot of times what happens when we get in the process of just kind of letting our health be on the back burner is we eat a lot more processed foods, uh, foods that are more convenient, foods that we don't have to cook, foods that uh, we just buy and eat. And unfortunately, there aren't a lot of companies out there that are interested in both making the healthiest food for you, uh, but also there is individual needs and wants based on the person. Some people do really good with higher carbohydrate meals. Some people do worse. And so it's about understanding your individual relationship with food and how that best works for you. So the reason why I call it metabolic reset is because you're essentially re setting your metabolism to understand, okay, these are the portions that I need to eat that's going to rev up my metabolism so I burn more calories. This is the type of exercise that I need to get involved with. And there is a small exercise component to it. It is mostly nutrition, but there is an exercise component that prioritizes the frequency and the consistency of your exercise routine and not so much the intensity. So it's good for both beginners and advanced folks because it's really more about accountability. So anyway, I'm going to put the link to that uh, Metabolic Reset program in the show notes of this podcast. You can go and check out all the details. I could literally talk about this for, for probably at least half an hour because there's so much that goes into it. Um, so anyway, I am launching that. Uh, it's going to start June 1st, which is a Monday. And as of today, it is, let's see, is it? May 21st. So you have essentially 10 days to uh, sign up for it. And again, I'll put the link to everything you need to know uh, about the program so you can see if it's a good for, for, fit for you. And then you can apply for the program. And I'm only taking the first 10 people. And I've already had five people sign up. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're somebody who's really interested in this, this sounds really good to you. Don't hesitate. It's going to go by fast. I think the first one that I sold in um, February, uh, I think it was two and a half, three days before all the spots were filled. So people do not hesitate when I open up the doors to this. So if this sounds interesting to you, at least send me a message, say, hey, is there still spots available? Uh, and then I can let you know. All right, cool. So that is really the only announcement that I wanted to make today. Let's go ahead and dive into our first topic, which is the question, is diet more important than exercise? I wanted to bring this topic up because online, you'll see a lot of articles that favor diet uh, more so than exercise for losing weight. And when you look at the research on diet versus exercise for losing weight, it is pretty clear that diet has more of an effect on weight loss, particularly fat loss, than exercise does. But 
there's always a but, right? There's always a depends. But I also want to emphasize how important it is to individualize the importance of diet and exercise. So here's a great example. Most of us are crunched for time. I imagine you're crunched for time pretty much every single day. You're a busy individual. You've got lots of responsibilities. That's one of the reasons why exercise or your health in general sort of takes a a backseat to everything else you have to do. And it takes some thinking and organizing to make sure that you always fit your health in there because without your health, you don't have anything else. So eventually you're going to have to commit some time to in trying to improve or at least manage your health. If your health is already pretty good, you still have to manage it once you get there. Um, and you know, that obviously takes some level of lifestyle change or sacrifice. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that. And, and we've talked about that actually in past episodes and we'll continue to talk about it in pretty much, you know, every episode to some extent. But what's important to understand a about this this question is it's not necessarily what's more effective for weight loss diet or exercise but in the beginning which one are you more likely to stay consistent with and the reason why this question is an important one to ask after the first one is because generating the momentum is the hardest part once you generate the momentum to make improvements towards your health, everything becomes a lot easier. So instead of asking yourself, which one's more important, diet or exercise, I rather you ask yourself, which one am I actually more either interested in or more likely to stay consistent with? And this is a question that I ask my clients before they sign up, because a lot of times they'll come to me and say, I need to change my nutrition. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that, you know, based on what you've shared with me, it is a good idea to change your nutrition. But let me ask you this. Do you have the time and the energy or do you have, are you willing to sacrifice time and energy to make sure your nutrition is on point? And we'll talk about that. And I've had clients tell me, you know what, maybe nutrition isn't the best place for me to start because I can't meet these expectations. And I said, that's great that you figured that out. You saved yourself some money. You save yourself, you know, some time and frustration. A lot of people go, okay, well, I'll start with exercise first because I haven't done either and I need to get an exercise routine anyway. So they'll start with exercise. And I've even had a woman who originally called me and, and wanted to sign up for coaching who got off the call and said, you know what, you know, this isn't a good fit for me right now. A month later, after she got her exercise down, we, we signed her up for nutrition. So, you know, a lot of times it's about generating that momentum. And if you're going to start with the hardest thing first, it's going to be very hard to generate that momentum. So give yourself a little bit of grace, give yourself a little bit of patience and ask yourself, what is something that I believe that I can start off doing right away? What is going to be an easier path for me? Because in my experience as a coach and just as a person trying to develop, um, you know, trying to improve my self-improvement or trying to increase my self-improvement, the pattern that I repetitively see, whether it's developing a new skill or working with people who are getting, uh, you know, familiar with the skill of improving their health, it's the first month or first two months for some people that is the, the hardest part of the journey. And then once they get through those first two sticking points, it becomes a lot easier because they start to notice the patterns. And so it's not like dealing with the emotion or dealing with the obstacle in real time. It's actually about foreseeing those problems or, you know, they're not really problems, but obstacles. See, foreseeing them happening into the future and being able to prepare for them better. So the, the, the easier path you can choose in the beginning, or I should say the more simplified and focused path you can choose in the beginning, the more likely you are to continue and have sustainability with your health. If you try to tackle the most challenging thing for you first, you might think, well, if I do that first, then everything else will be easy. But if you don't actually tackle it and have success, then you're going to fail. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, I just can't seem to stay consistent. And I said, okay, well, let me ask you this. What is it that you're doing? And I use the analogy of juggling. What a lot of you are doing is you're trying to juggle four items or objects before you even know how to juggle two. And that's a lot of times that's our egos thinking we can do more than we really can. And it takes a, you know, it, it takes a patient and an intelligent person to look at themselves and say, I'm not capable of doing this right now. I need to make it easier. 
And so I'm going to make it easier and I'm going to be confident in the fact that I can do the easy thing first and then I'm going to make it more challenging. Okay. It took me a very long time to understand that because it's hard to admit that you're not a good, good at something. It's hard to admit that you're not capable of that ability or that difficulty level yet. That's a hard pill to swallow. It sort of hits your ego and it sort of hits your self-esteem. But if you can realize that you have the potential to always get better, you just have to make it something that's doable in the moment and that you will improve. If you view it through that lens, it becomes a lot easier to take a task that you feel like you should know how to do already, break it down into a smaller piece or break it into multiple pieces and start with the easiest one first and then move from there. When I coach clients, I do not completely throw out everything that they eat and say, you have to eat these foods now. That's a strategy for disaster. Those are the types of diets and plans and coaching that I got early on. It was like, only eat the foods on this list. In fact, I remember when I first became a trainer and, um, you know, I won't mention the gym, but when I first became a trainer, they gave us a food list to give to our clients. And it was the only nutritional guidance that we were given as a resource. Uh, we could definitely give our own, you know, uh, nutritional resources if we wanted to. And that's typically the route that I took. But the nutritional sheet basically said, eat these foods, pick the foods on this list that you like and just eat those. Well, you know how limited that is? And you know how hard it is to go from some, you go from a, a place of eating, you know, lots of processed foods to just completely cutting them out. It's like trying to go from juggling two objects to juggling six or seven. It's just, it's not, it's not a progressive step. It's, it's an extreme step. So like, as an example, what I do with my clients is I say, listen, let's see what you're eating already. Like, um, the very first thing I have my clients do when they sign up and I even show this ahead of time, like I, I lay out the expectations so they know what they're getting into. I, I don't ever like to, I've been blindsided by coaching, um, opportunities that I've personally purchased for self-improvement where they, they sell you with all the marketing and then it's not completely different, but it's, it's sort of, there's things that are omitted in the actual program once you pay for it. And I absolutely hate that. I want you to know exactly what you're getting into before you get started with coaching. It's, there's no point in making it, um, obscure. Like to me, that's stupid. So anyway, I tell my clients, I say, look, there's, there's essentially two ways we can track our nutrition. We can either take photos of our food and you can send them to me, or you can track your macronutrients and it's up to you. Like if you're used to tracking your food on an app, let's continue doing that. If you're not used to that or you no longer want to do it that way, send photos of your food to me and I'll look at those photos and I'll make a, Hey, these are the things you're doing awesome. And then these are the things we can improve upon. And, and that's not dramatically changing the nutrition. It's, an, it's again, it's one of those things that I often talk about, which is subtraction by addition. Sometimes it's not removing food. Sometimes it's adding food in. And a lot of times when you add healthy food into your diet, you naturally displace calories from processed foods that you were eating. It's actually the easiest way to quote unquote cut calories is to replace or at least substitute more frequently healthy foods for less healthy options. Because, you know, if I had to take a bet, nine times out of 10, I would take the bet that you're going to eat more calories if more of your nutrition is from processed foods than whole foods, okay? It's not a perfect system. You can definitely overeat things like nuts and fruits and, you know, you know whole food nutrition, but at the same time, it's a lot more challenging and it will take a lot more willpower to actually overeat those foods. So what I've seen as a coach is that most of the time, the reason why people are overeating has very little to do with their specific macros. It has more to do with the composition of their food, meaning whether it's a whole food or a processed food. You can definitely do the whole macros thing and, and, and count calories. And, you know, for some people doing that math is worth the effort because they're 
they're very meticulous type people. And again, this is about knowing your client. If you have a, if I have a person who I'm working with who really likes to be meticulous, like I had, I worked with an engineer one time and he's like, oh no, the, tracking my food would actually be enjoyable. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I'd put it in the app. I'd weigh it out. I actually like that. So some of, you know, some people's minds just work that way. And for them, it's easier. Some people's minds don't work that way. And I would say the vast majority of people's minds don't work that way. So again, it's, there's, there's always a little bit of, you need to put more work in, but you also need to know what works best for you, right? You need to work with your strengths and improve your weaknesses. So it's a, it's a two-part system. It's not, you know, a cookie cutter process. It's, it's all about knowing your strengths and working with them, but also using your strengths to improve your weaknesses. That's also very important, especially when it comes to trying to improve your health. So going back to the, you know, the central topic, is diet more important than exercise? If you look at the studies, if you look at the data, it's more effective for weight loss, especially fat loss. And that's, you know me by now. You know that when I say weight loss, I really mean fat loss. I don't want you losing the water and the digestive food. You're going to lose that anyway, right? We definitely don't want to lose muscle. So is diet more effective for fat loss than exercise? When you look at the studies, it seems to be, yes, that seems to be more effective. Now, the most effective is diet and exercise, but if you're not able to maintain both diet and exercise at the same time, then you take a step back and you focus on one of those. And again, you focus on the one that you believe you'll be more consistent with. Don't get me wrong. Some people look at me and go, I actually think I'd be more consistent with my nutrition. I hate exercise. And it's not that I love, you know, to to prep food, but I see myself as somebody who's going to be more consistent with my nutrition once I have the ball rolling than my exercise, then work with that. And what's kind of magical is no matter what route you choose, it ends up improving the other option. So if you start off with nutrition, because you're eating healthier foods in the right ratios and you're getting more nutritious foods, which is going to improve your energy and, you know, just your overall health your likelihood to want to exercise actually goes up. I've had this happen where I've, I've worked with a person and they're like, I don't know which one I should choose. Like, I don't know if I need help with exercise or nutrition. And, you know, if I really wanted to, I need help with both. And I said, okay, you know, I asked them the same question. Which do you feel like you, like, which one are you more interested in doing right now? And this person said, I, I would be much more interested in nutrition. I said, okay, cool. Let's start there. Now we hit the ground running. It took a couple of weeks to really get into a rhythm. We made some changes to the nutrition, but not so dramatic that it felt like they were giving up all their favorite foods. And within, I think it was a month and a half, uh, this person reached out to me and said, Hey, I'd actually like to start, like, what are some recommendations for exercise? I actually feel so good that exercise doesn't sound that bad anymore. And so we started working on their exercise. And again, we started from a place that they were currently at. This particular person didn't have a lot of exercise experience and wasn't in very good shape. So we started off with something very simple, something that didn't take a whole lot of extra time or effort during the day. And we slowly built them up. So again, it's sometimes it's about knowing yourself and knowing the path that you're going to be more consistent with than what is, quote unquote, the most effective thing to do right? It's great to know what's the most effective so that you don't sort of just wander around, you know, testing things out when it's already been, you know, proven what works. But at the same token, it's only effective if you actually take action towards it. So that's, it's sort of a trick question, right? It's, it's, it's actually more an individual question. And I think the best way to answer is diet more important than exercise is by asking yourself, well, which one are you more likely to, to stay consistent with in the beginning? And then on the flip side, I've had people that start off with exercise and it actually helps them improve their nutrition because they start to realize that at a certain point, they're not getting any better at exercise because it's really hard to get better and perform better in the gym or pre perform better with your workouts if your nutrition sucks. Just the same way if you have a traditional you know, car, if you put diesel in that car, it's not going to, it's not going to perform very well. It's not, it might not even run after a while because it's not the right fuel for the task. So again, it doesn't matter which one you start with. Eventually, if you're consistent with at least one of them, it will positively affect the other one. Okay. So I want to give you some confidence in knowing that it really doesn't matter where you start as long, as long as you're consistent and you start to see improvements with whatever you start with and then go from there. 
just as a sort of a side note, I've actually worked with a client who didn't start with exercise or nutrition. They started with sleep and they improved their sleep. And it was just some simple things like being accountable to going to bed on time. Right. And that in, in and of self improved their energy levels. And yes, they still had nutrition and exercise they, they needed to improve. But sometimes it's sleep. Sometimes I'll look at somebody and go, you know, you actually need to sleep more. Like, don't worry about exercise or nutrition right now. We'll get to those. But you're sleeping so um, irregular or you're, sleep, you're not sleeping enough to where it doesn't matter if I change exercise or nutrition or work to improve those. If your sleep sucks, everything else is going to be affected by that, which is why in the last episode, or I believe it was the episode, I think it was episode 18, where I talked about sleep being, you know, basically the second most important thing for losing weight other than a calorie deficit, right? Because you can sleep all you want and then eat a ton of food and just gain weight. Being in a calorie deficit is important, but sleep can have a big impact on your calorie deficit. So again, they're all dynamic, but that was the logic I was running with with the last episode. So um, that's that's really all I wanted to talk about when it comes to that specific topic. I hope that helps put it in a frame of mind that works really well for you. I always want you to feel like there are multiple ways to approach improving your health. And you might often hear about, you know, very specific ways. And I think that those can sometimes be you know, useful, at least for expanding the uh, options that you have. But please never feel handcuffed outside of the, you know, basic principles of weight loss and improving your health. Outside of those few things, everything else is a method and methods can, you know, vary like a lot. You know, there's a lot of ways to get to, you know, California. There's lots of roads to get to California. It doesn't really matter which one you take. If you rather go the scenic route and go through the Grand Canyon or whatever, you can do that. If you rather just get straight there so you can get done what you need to get done, you can do that. So understand there are many paths. So long as you're, you know, you're following principles, there's many paths to improving your health and losing weight. All right, cool. So the next topic we're going to dive right into is why support, in my opinion, is the most important factor with weight loss. If you follow me on social media, you know that I oftentimes talk about the ideal workout or the ideal nutrition plan basically being useless unless you actually follow it or you actually stay consistent with doing it. The same sort of goes with the entire process of losing weight. You can do all the right things, but if you're not doing them consistently, then they're sort of useless in the sense that you're really, you really have to utilize the compounding effect of multiple workouts or multiple you know, calorie deficit days. Support is kind of like the engine or kind of like the, the, the foundation of keeping consistency going. Not everyone is going to be self-motivated to lose weight. I, in fact, I would say from all the coaching that I've done, very few people are self-motivated. They might be sort of motivated you know, internally in some ways, but a lot of times it actually takes action to create motivation. And we talked about that in the motivation episode, how you don't wait for motivation to do the action. You do the action and then you get results and that creates motivation. So instead of it being the first step, it's actually sort of the last step in the cycle. But at the same time, and I know this as a coach because this is sort of the main service that I provide outside of obviously the, the knowledge and the information and the structure. But most of the time what I'm doing is I'm supporting my clients or I'm supporting the people around me to get through the days that suck, to get through the days that don't feel ideal. And if you don't have that sort of self-motivating engine or factor, a lot of times you'll fall off at the very first you know, hiccup or the very first obstacle, right? If you give up after the the very first failure, so to speak, like a great example of this would be, you know, hitting, you know, your second workout and just being like, I, you know, I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. That could be a sign that that workout is too intense. And so you need to take it a step down. But, you know, if you're relying mostly, or if you're using excuses, you know, all other things considered, you know, well put together, like your workouts well put together for your ability level, your nutrition is put together well for your ability level, and you're just making excuses because you don't want to do it. It takes that extra push from an external source to get you going. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially in the beginning. All right. Some people 
are self-motivated. Some people have a drive, whether that's nurture or, you know, nature, I, you know, it's, it's up for debate. I would say that it's, it's probably a little bit of both. And I would say for me, it was a lot of nurture. It was a lot of what I learned growing up playing sports. I was held accountable to my coaches, to my parents. Like if I didn't, you know, when you're, when your parents hold you accountable to getting good grades, you start to learn sort self-efficacy. You start to be accountable to yourself. But if you don't have that, or maybe you're so burnt out by being, you know, responsible for so many other things and your motivation has to go all towards your work or, you know, making money to survive, it can be difficult to try to portion off, portion some of that off to keeping track of your health. So sometimes you can be self-motivated, but there's not going to be, you know, energy or time there. And, and there's definitely ways to, you know, I would, cons- I would say that most people have enough time. They just haven't organized it or allocated it correctly. Like for example, um, I had a client one time who was telling me, you know, I, I just, I don't have enough time for this. I don't have enough energy. And I said, okay, do me a favor. Uh, if you don't mind, if it's too personal, you don't have to, but if you don't mind, send me your weekly, um, hours on your phone report, or if there's a daily breakdown, send it to me and let's cut out some of that time. You don't need to be scrolling through TikTok. You don't need to be scrolling through Facebook, through Instagram. You don't need to be, you know, bullshitting on your phone all the time. We can take some of that time and allocate it towards your health. Now, if you're not willing to do that, then, you know, I'm going to have to recommend you coach with somebody else. But if you're willing to recognize where you are wasting time, and I'm not saying you should never go on your phone, right? I mean, that I'd be a hypocrite. You know, I, I go on my phone, I watch TikTok videos, but I usually do it after my responsibilities. You know, I do it after the things that I need to do to improve my health. So I make that sacrifice. But I am saying that if you spend a lot of time on social media, if you spend a lot of time watching TV on your phone, where you could be spending some of that time, not all of it, but some of that time preparing food, going and shopping for the food, doing anything to improve your health, going for a walk, doing a workout, you know, any of those things that can make a big difference. So why is support the most important factor in weight loss? Because everything relies on on consistency and consistency for a lot of people relies on support, especially if they don't have that self-motivating factor. Now, what's really cool about self-motivation is that it's a skill that you can learn, right? You don't have to be born with it. It's a skill you can learn. And if you start to take action, so first you have support, right? Let's say you hire me as your coach or you hire anyone as a coach. Or there's some level of accountability in your life. Maybe it's a parent, a spouse, you know, whatever. You have that support. That support system helps push you through the difficult times and helps encourage you and celebrate when you do, you know, your task, when you commit to the habit. Well, then that feeds into consistency. And as we know, consistency is the bedrock of getting results. So when you get results, you then create motivation from that because you've just proven to yourself that you can do something. You've also done a lot of things that go beyond results, which is you've explored the unknown. You've explored something that you didn't, you didn't, you couldn't expect because you'd never done it before. And now what's kind of cool about weight loss, or I guess what's kind of cool about improving your health is once you understand the fundamentals, that was not the right way to say the word, fundamentals, once you understand the fundamentals and you've been through that first very difficult wave, which is a different time period for everyone, so I won't try to put a specific time on it, but you've been through that first real difficult wave, you can basically expect the same thing going forward. So you know that some days are going to suck. Some days you're not going to, you know, kick ass in your workout. Like just the other day I did a workout and I'm like, man, I don't have any energy for this workout. So I did the most that I could and I called it a day. The following day I did another workout. It was much better. I had a lot more energy to give. I was recovering a lot better and I knew to expect that. That's why I didn't give up after that first workout that sucked. It also, you know, turns out that I need to improve my nutrition during quarantine. I've been getting away with too many fun foods. And so I need to kind of reel myself back into a more balanced nutrition. Like if I had to put a percent on it, I usually try to go about 20, 
50% processed foods, 80% whole foods. During quarantine, I've had periods where it's more like 60-40. So 60% whole foods, 40% processed foods. But instead of like giving up during that period, I just said, okay, just reel it back in. You know, you know what to do. And I understand that you might not know what to do. So I'm not saying you have to just make that switch. But what you start to understand when you educate yourself and you go through the process and you get through that first real difficult you know, period or that challenge, you start to have those thoughts that I just described for myself. You start to understand, okay, just got to reel it back in. And that's one of the most important things to understand going into learning about your health and giving yourself time is that once you know this stuff, it doesn't just disappear. It's not like a muscle that if you don't exercise it, it atrophies. No, that's not what happens. This is, you know, once if you practice healthy habits long enough, you not only start to feel when those healthy habits are, you know, spacing out when you're doing less of them, because you'll immediately have this feedback where, oh my God, why do I feel like crap? Then you check in with yourself. What's my sleep like? What's my water intake like? Have I been eating a lot more processed foods or calories in general? Um, you know, what's the, you know, how often am I eating nutritious foods? Am I giving myself enough time to recover from workouts? And, you know, what's my stress level been like recently? And I understand that's a lot to manage and I certainly am not like going through every single checklist, but I do have a checklist for myself where if I'm feeling off, I look at that list and I go, oh, that makes sense. I've been really stressed out recently. So like my energy has been a lot lower than, than it usually is. And this can sometimes be on a daily basis. Like this isn't just like I wake up one day and I'm like, why am I all stressed all of a sudden? Some days I'll do something in the morning that affects my energy for the rest of the day. Like something that stresses me out in the morning zaps my energy. And so I have to sometimes, you know, make an altercation to what I was going to do. Maybe my workout was going to be really hard today instead of, you know, trying to push through that really hard workout uh, because I'm just not going to be able to give the energy and I would rather just do nothing. I'll minimize the challenge of that workout or the difficulty so I can keep consistency the same, right? Because, you know, like we've talked about in the past, keeping consistency is actually more important than a single intensity uh, you know, the, the, the intensity of a single workout. So like if you have a very hard workout planned on Friday, but Friday comes and you have a, you know, some kind of work thing happening, it, it like drains you or like you really can't even give your best effort. It's better to dial back that workout than try to do it at the same intensity. Now, if you're constantly uh, being affected by stress and you can never get a hard workout, then it's going back to some of the basics. Okay, how can we manage your recovery? How can we manage your stress? And then, it, you know, it kind of works backwards from there. You don't want to always avoid a hard workout. You want to figure out kind of what's the underlying chronic issue there. But if, you know, from, you know, every you know, a couple times a month, if you have a hard workout plan and you're not able to do it, instead of beating yourself up about not being able to do the hard workout, just minimize the intensity or the, the difficulty, get your workout in and keep consistency, right? If you're always beating yourself up for not getting the hardest workout, you're not going to stay consistent. And that goes back sort of to the negative self-talk that we've talked about. I think it was in episode 19. I'm not exactly sure, but, um, you know, being able to have that positivity and all the things I'm describing, by the way, are not things I expect you to have right away. Like this is knowledge that I've attained as a coach and as a person who's tried to improve their, their themselves over the years. All right. And that's why support is so damn important. That's why I'm talking about it is these are all things that I learned by being supported by a coach, by being supported by somebody who was willing to, you know, help me improve myself. And thankfully, I've learned all these things and I can share them with you. But again, I don't expect you to know all this, but I do want to teach you through this podcast how to start understanding what to expect, doing the thing that needs to be done learning the process, and then sort of developing your own support. Now, if you don't already have support, that's fine, right? You don't have to have self-support right away. And, and if you don't have a community that can support you, like here's another great topic that I, that I often will talk to about uh, some of my clients, which is the people around them are not supportive, right? They're actually more negative and toxic than they are supportive. And that's a, you know, that's not something that I have a ton of experience with personally, so I'm not going to be able to provide a huge amount of insight, but what I've been able to help my clients with because they're coaching with me is to know what to focus on and to have some kind of community 
that is supporting their positive mindset. So whether that's a community of people that are either in the same boat that they are or have been in the same boat that they are, or if it's getting a coach that can help coach you through those difficult moments where people around you are not being positive, sometimes the best way to counterbalance a negative environment is by trying to put yourself in a more positive environment as much as possible. Sometimes we're not going to be able to eliminate or to distance ourselves from our toxic you know, family members, our toxic friends, our toxic coworkers, or you know, work environment, whatever it might be. So if you can't make a move to change that right away, and a lot of times that's the, the last move you really will make, it's more about, it's kind of like the same thing with, with Whole Foods, right? Instead of taking calories away, you subtract by adding. So you include more positive community support or more positive uh, people around you that want to see you do good, that in your darkest moments are encouraging you to keep going. That's really important. And that can sometimes be what I mean by subtraction by addition. You add more positivity, you add more support, and it start and then the negative sort of toxic side of things might still be there, but it's certainly not as potent. So when I say that support is the most important factor in weight loss, it's not that support has a direct relationship to how much weight you lose. I mean, you can have support and still overeat, right? It, but if you're if you've got everything else in line, if you know that you should be, you know, estimating your calorie deficit because that's, you know, that's the best you can do in the beginning. If you know that you need to be eating things like more protein, more vegetables, you need to get some kind of activity on a hopefully a daily basis, you know, based on the, you know, intensity scale, you know, some days are harder, some days are lighter, some days you're recovering, some days you're working, you know, really hard or going really, you know, hard after the weights or whatever it is you're doing. As long as you have all those things, positivity and you know more specifically positive support can get you through those difficult times right you don't have to over rely on them it's not like you have to you know ask them every single day am i doing it right am i doing it right or someone has to tell you're awesome every single day that's not what i mean i just mean that when you're losing your momentum when you're starting to to sort of get bored or dull with the process a lot of times it's good to remember if you have a history so far how far you've come or to be comfortable with the fact that this is sort of kind of like the boring period. You know, I sometimes I'll talk about weight loss in terms of honeymoon phase and sort of a grinding phase. Like in the beginning, if you initially lose weight when you first start eating better, that's like the honeymoon phase. Everything seems awesome. Everything seems really, you know, like, oh, I could do this forever. And then you hit your first plateau or your your rate of weight loss starts to slow down and you're like, oh, screw it. I don't want to do this anymore. So, you know, that's why I like to tell you what to expect, you know, expect there to be a honeymoon phase, expect you to kind of hit a stall or to hit, you know, a, a point where your weight isn't changing that much, especially as you get closer and closer to uh, lower and lower body fat numbers. Like if you're 40% body fat, you're going to notice, uh, you know, everything, you know, all things considered, uh, you know, considering you're doing all the right things, you'll see body fat loss relatively quickly. You know, if, as a woman, as you start to get to the, like the, you know, like the 25, 28 range, it's going to slow down a little bit. As a man, as you start to get to like the, you know, 16, 15 range, it's going to slow down a little bit. So, you know, understanding that is important. But if, if, if you're not even there yet, being able to be supported through the t tough times. And again, support comes in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes for people like for my clients, it's, you know, a swift kick in the ass. It's like, hey, you're awesome. Stop worrying about everything. You're doing all the right things. One meal isn't going to mess you up. I've had plenty of clients be like, oh, you know, I really messed up last night. I go, okay, what'd you do? I ate 400 calories over my, my total. Okay, guess what? A calorie deficit is a low amount of calories based on your maintenance. This is, this is exactly what I tell them. If your calorie maintenance is, let's say it's 2,000 calories, and you're eating at like a 1600 calorie, you know, calorie deficit. If you eat 400 calories more in one single day than you have been in the past, that's your calorie maintenance. Your weight's really not going to change. You'd have to eat, you know, I don't even know the exact number based on the, on the numbers I just gave, but you'd have to really, really, really overeat. Like you'd have to drink a bunch of calories. You'd have to eat a bunch of processed food. Like you'd really 
you'd really know if you went super over. So again, it's not about getting tied up in the numbers all the time. If you're chronically overeating, then yeah, what do you expect? But if you have one day where you eat a little bit more than you normally do, don't worry about it. It's one day. Just get back on your plan the next day. And I know that's easy for me to say sitting here knowing all my, you know, all, all the stuff that I know and being through the ringer, you know, thousands of times, both personally and with clients. But I want to encourage you that that's actually something you should tell yourself. You should actually tell yourself, hey, it's one meal. As a coach, I don't expect any one of my clients to be perfect. I expect them and I, I hold them accountable to being consistent, but I never, never, never expect them to be perfect. That's stupid, in my opinion. It's stupid to try to be perfect. It's actually so frustrating to try to be perfect that it's counterproductive to getting results. You might think that the goal should always to be perfect. It's like, no, if you're hitting something 80% of the time, I know that you're sane enough to just go to there and, and then just be okay with that. If you're trying to be perfect all the time, it's going to hinder your psychology. It's also going to hinder your results. Okay. Cause again, it affects that consistency spectrum that we try to stay on, right? Part of being consistent is being realistic. All right. If you expect yourself to always get a, you know, to always burn 700 calories during a workout, that might dramatically affect your consistency, especially if you're not used to doing that frequently. If burning 700 calories per workout is your norm, then, you know, that's a totally different uh, perspective and a totally different uh, place in your activity. But if you're constantly trying to do a lot more than you're currently able to do, you will get frustrated. You'll think you have to be perfect. And then that frustration is going to ruin your consistency. It's going to hamper your consistency. It's also going to rely on your willpower to push you through those moments a whole lot more. And my goal as a coach is to, yes, recognize that willpower is a part of the system. But if you over rely on willpower, you'll always fail because willpower is not always going to be at its highest. And I would argue that most people that I've worked with use a lot of their willpower for just managing the rest of their day, let alone their workouts and their nutrition. Like if you have a very demanding job, you use a lot of your willpower during that time, which is why it's very challenging to even think about exercise or think about trying to prepare food. So by minimizing the amount of willpower you have to use, you maximize the likelihood that you'll be more consistent. So circling back to support. If you have a strong support system in any capacity, you will be more successful than somebody who does not because of these moments where, you know, it only takes a moment to go from I'm absolutely killing it to I give up. It's a moment. It's a thought. And then it's an action. But if you have something between being awesome and giving up, which would be support, you have a lot more, you have a higher likelihood of continuing even if you fail. So support. So a system with support is going to have the same amount of failure as somebody who doesn't have support. The difference is, is when you have support, those moments of failure are corrected or, you know, like for, for me, if someone feels like they can't do it anymore, I bring them down off of that ledge and I say, listen, first of all, you're doing awesome. I don't think you realize how awesome you're doing and how awesome a person you are for putting yourself out there to try to improve your health. So understand that. And I know you can't see that because you're always looking up to try to improve yourself, which is great. It's a great skill to have. But you also have to develop the skill of looking backwards and saying, holy shit, I, I completed all of this. Like, look where I used to be and look where I am now. And the, the problem I think that a lot of us have, and I, again, I include myself in this, is when we achieve something, we don't spend enough time sort of living in that moment and documenting that moment. A lot of times when we achieve something, we look to the next challenge. And that's great. That's a great sort of staircase example of what it means to achieve something and then try to achieve something a little bit more challenging. But if you only ever look at what you didn't do and you don't look back at what you have done, then you're going to have a very difficult time staying within that consistency spectrum. And I would say that just from experience in coaching, a lot of what I do is help you realize just how great you've already done. And it, and it takes, it takes a lot of like, it takes an outside source, I should say, because a lot of times, like I've had coaches that will point things out to me that are huge 
moments of improvement that I completely overlooked because I'm so focused on the thing that I need to get better at. And it's only through having a coach that I've learned, hey, yes, it's great to be motivated to do the next challenging thing, but you have to have moments where you document what you've already done because you have to be, you have to have both. Now you don't want to stay in either, you know, either thing for too long. Like you don't want to gloat and kind of live in your success for too long, because if you do that, then you're, you're going to hinder your ability and your energy to move forward. But you also don't want to always look forward and never look back and, and think, okay, well, I'm not good enough or I'm not doing it. It's like, no, you've made huge improvements. You're just not focusing on that right now. So a lot of times what support, a good support system will do is say something, and I, I'm going to butcher this, but it's basically from um, something that Jordan Peterson said. You are an amazing human being and you are a miracle of creation, but you can improve yourself, right? So you're awesome as you are right now. Like you're a valuable human being in the world, but you could use a little bit of work. And if you can take that mentality where you both recognize that you're a valuable person in the world and you've, and you've either accomplished things that are already awesome or you're, you've done things in your life that you feel good about, you can also spend an equal amount of time trying to self-improve, right? If you stay stagnant in either side of the spectrum, you're going to lose consistency and you're going to lose your momentum going forward. So again, like just about everything in life, it always comes back to balance, okay? You don't want to spend too much time on one end of the spectrum, and you don't want to spend too much time on the other end of the spectrum. You want to modulate yourself. You want to recognize your good deeds and your accomplishments, but you also want to make your way back to how do I improve upon what I've achieved? And support if it's done correctly and not just being a cheerleader, because I think having sort of a cheerleader mentality can be a small part of what goes on. Like being hyped up about somebody's achievements is awesome. I think that's important. But I also also think that it's important to be critical. I also think it's important to be, judgmental is not the right word. I think it's important to be critical. That's the best way to put it. Because if you're not critical, you don't look at things objectively. You look at them from an emotional standpoint. Sometimes what I have to tell my clients is, look, this is not personal. I don't devalue you anymore because of what I'm about to say, but you need to improve this. Like you only got one workout this week and this is the fourth week of your program. Like, are you going to do this or are you not going to do this? You have to make a decision. Is this actually important to you or are you not going to, you know, is it not important to you? And I don't want to hear excuses. I just want to hear a yes or no answer. Are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? And I don't even care which answer you pick, right? You, you know, it's like I put in my, my Instagram story. I can lead you to the results. I can lead you and teach you what to do, but I can't make you do it. So, you know, you have to have tough love because you can't enable, and I'm speaking as a coach right now, you can't enable people to do the things that they were doing before they met you or before they, you know, hired me as a coach. I wouldn't be doing my job. I'm not here to enable you. I'm in here, I'm here to point out the things you are doing right and encourage you, but I'm not here to enable you to do the things you used to do. Okay, so there's going to be some tough love if that's the route you take. If you continually put as much effort and do as much as you possibly can within the confines of what we decide we're going to work on as a, you know, as a client and coach relationship, then I'm never going to be dissatisfied with that. I'm always going to reward somebody who does the best they can, okay? They might have a, a higher standard than, than I have for them because a lot of times what people will do is they'll think that they have to get to the top of a mountain as soon as possible. And what I have to do is say, listen, I think it's awesome that you want to get to the top of that mountain. And we're even going to go beyond the top of that mountain. But you have to take your first couple of steps first. You can't just you know float all the way up there. So it's this, it's this constant, hey, you're doing awesome, but guess what? You need to improve. And that relationship of support is, in my opinion, the healthiest because it balances out both kind of the hard knock aspect of it. Like, hey, get your ass in gear. It's time to do some stuff. And it's also, hey, you're doing amazing and I want you to know that and I want you to feel good about that. 
And it's a constant balance between that. If I was always a hard ass, then it would be very difficult to work with me. I realize that. And I would even say that I've had to learn how to be more of a hard ass because I tend to be very empathetic. I tend to very often side with the person and their emotional, you know, their, their emotional state or their excuse to a certain extent or to relate so well with them that I understand their pain that I, I lose sight of the real objective. What I've had to do to develop myself as an effective coach is use that empathy wisely, but don't let it take the most of me, right? Don't let it affect everything that I do to where I'm actually making my client less, uh, I'm actually enabling them to keep doing the, the thing that they paid me to help them with, you know, in the, in the scope of fitness and nutrition. So that's something that I've had to develop. I've had to develop a weaker side of me, which is more of the hard ass, get it done, deal with it mentality. And, you know, really utilize and hone in my strength, which is being empathetic. So, um, yeah, you know, that's really, I think that's pretty much it. I even went a little bit further than I thought I was going to go with that topic. But, you know, support is such a huge part of a weight loss journey or a self-development journey, you know, and again, I don't think it has to be hoorah-rah all the time, but I think that you need to have a group of people that you can rely on when things aren't going that well. And just kind of a shameless plug here at the end, I have a Facebook support group that's, it's a private Facebook support group called Shred the Fat Weight Loss Support Group. If you're interested in being, you know, a part of that. If you have a Facebook, you want to, you know, be part of a supportive group, then the people on there, I think there's about uh, 150 or so total at this point. Um, they're all very supportive. Some of them have lost a lot of weight and have, you know, simply just, uh, are simply just there to help support people that are having a difficult time. Some people in there are starting off brand new that, that are losing weight and just want a system or support, uh, you know, place where they can ask questions or they can, um, you know, simply just be amongst people who understand what they're going through. Um, and then obviously I'm there. And so if, if, if there's something that's a little bit more, you know, uh, complex or more detailed that needs an answering, I'll step in and answer. But, you know, nine times out of 10, the people that are in that group support each other. And it's, and it's simply just the support of say, Hey, I've been there too. It sucks. It's tough, but let me let you know if you can just push your way through it, it's going to get better. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like this is going to be the way your life always is because you know, you're making big changes, but trust me, when you get through to the other end, everything is worth the, 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 the sort of agony of, you know, doing all these healthy habits that feel like a lot of work, but pay off in the end. So anyway, uh, if you want to join that group, uh, and you have a Facebook and you want to join it, um, go ahead and click the link in the show notes and you can go, it's, it's free. It's, it's not something you have to pay for. Uh, I do, you know, filter everyone who comes through there just to make sure that we're not getting, uh, you know, tons of spam or soliciting because that's not uh, what I want that group to be about. I just want it to be about good, positive support. Um, so you might have to answer a couple questions to make sure you're a good fit. But other than that, it's, uh, it's easy to, to get into the group. All right. Very good. Well, that is the end of today's podcast. Thanks a ton for listening. As always, I would highly appreciate any feedback that you can give me about the podcast, whether that's leaving a star review or leaving a star review and a comment. Uh, you know, please leave whatever you think is suitable for the podcast. Let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your day.